Welcome to Sisters Inc., our podcast for and about women business owners, brought to you by Black Enterprise. I'm your host, Elisa Gums. Black women are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs in America. And on every episode of Sisters Inc., we'll sit down with one successful CEO and share how she slays the challenges of being a Black woman in business. Today's episode is all about marketing through brand ambassadors. We're chatting with Shanela Sweat, the founder of A Few Good Men, which makes wooden watches and other accessories for men of distinction. Welcome to Sisters Inc., Shanela, and thanks so much for sitting down with us. Hi, thank you so very much for having me. I get a ton of pitches in my email, so it is really hard to stand out. But ever since I first learned about you, I've been intrigued by this Black woman making wooden watches for men. And then when I started to learn more about your story, I was really moved by your grandfather's influence. So tell us about A Few Wood Men and the inspiration behind it. So A Few Wood Men, like you mentioned, it is really a brand that pays homage to my grandfather and who he is to me. Um, so my grandfather is still here with me. He's 82 years old, still here, still fly, still still moving. And so because he is all of those things, um, it just made sense for me to really have that emulated throughout our brand. So A Few Wood Men is a brand that represents honor, integrity, um, distinction, and really being able to um, pay honor to those individuals or those men specifically who are taking care of business, who are those pillars in the community, those dads, those sons, those uh, spouses, and just those strong men who really show up. So he's all of those things to me, but that's really what the brand um, encompasses as a whole. What is it about your grandfather that led you to making watches and wooden watches in particular? So specifically with my grandfather, he is very swaggy. So at 82, he still dresses, styles, um, you know, he shows up, I'll say that. So he still works out, still very much active, um, still hangs out. You know, he has his weekly agenda of things that he likes to do. And one of his, I guess, attributes is that he is a watch collector. So he is a watch connoisseur of sorts where he has all types of watches and the way I ended up stumbling upon watches and that being the focus of my brand is I was trying to gift him with a replacement. So I had noticed that he had a lot of watches, some of whom he didn't wear anymore. Some maybe they were dated. I don't really know all of the reasonings, but I just noticed a difference that he wasn't wearing them as often. And I was like, is there a problem? Like, why are you not wearing your watches? You know, I used to like this one. You like that one. And he was like, well, to be honest, you know, the older you get, the heavier they become. Well, me being a woman, I had never known that to really be a pain point for men that watches are in fact heavy. And so I was like, hmm, okay. So I knew I wanted to get him another watch and I knew that I wanted something to where it wouldn't be too heavy on his wrist, but still had, um, still has that sense of durability that you know it's not going to break and that it's going to really, you know, wither through some storms because men are a little bit more active in how they move sometimes. And so those combinations really brought about me searching for the perfect gift and the perfect watch. 
And so I went on a search and a journey of sorts to really figure out what that looked like. And ultimately, I stumbled upon different versions of wooden watches. Um, but for our watches, if you go to our website, afewofmen.com, um, our watches have a combination of wood and steel elements. So it's making sure that it still had that that wood and um, not so heavy impact, but also making sure that the body of your watch is durable. So that is really the combination in the story of how we came about with our wood watch focus. Your professional background is corporate. Um, you've been a business analyst, an organizational change manager. What was the startup process like for you um, just from having this idea to actually creating wooden watches and getting them to market? So you've really done your homework when it comes to my uh, <laughs> background. So yes, I have been a little bit of everything on the project side. Right now, I do work in organizational change management. So for those who are not familiar with that, that's really like a non-technical people consultant in IT. So you really help tech companies run tech companies with non-technical people. So that's like a very simple way of thinking um, of you know what I do every day. Um, but for me, I actually got my start in customer service. So I was a customer service representative some years ago. And ultimately, what I tell anybody, my skills and tasks and daily responsibilities as a customer service rep or a CSR is really what pushed me in my trajectory today. And I say that because you're learning things of how to take ownership of a call, how to have certain tones. Um, how to really work with people, how to manage yourself with others who are internal and external to your business. And those are paramount foundations for any role in tech and any role in entrepreneurship. And so a lot of what I learned as that customer service rep, I was able to really source and see that it could be transferred into some of those tech roles that you mentioned, whether that was a business analyst, a project manager, or organizational change management, which is what I do today. But I really saw those transferable skills date back to my customer service day. So it's really having that bond, uh, building that rapport with your audience, really being able to set the tone um, when everything else fails and, you know, it's chaos and everything else. But it was all of those key factors that 100% transfer into my business and on my journey in entrepreneurship. Um, I think so many people, though, are like lost with how to get from this idea they have in their head, especially when it's a product, because you actually have to create something and then get yes. people to buy it. So, you know, what was that like for you? Where did you start when you were like, I want to create watches, having never made a watch before? Right, right. And on top of that, um, like I had mentioned before, one of my issues with watches is me being a more petite woman my wrist never works. So my wrist is always too small, no matter how many links I remove. So it was always a struggle because I had my own interest for watches, but can never wear them. Um, so a lot of times, you know, that's a really good question. And I get that asked a lot is, how are you a woman creating products for men? And so ultimately, even that person who's creating a product or creating a thing or a service or whatever it may be, a lot of times we get lost in the sauce, in the weeds of things. Um, and we're looking to big picture, meaning we are comparing ourselves to the Nordstrom's, the Macy's, the Target's, the Walmart's and whomever when they've been around for quite some time. So the best advice I would say is definitely just start because ultimately your audience is going to tell you what they want. So when it came to my grandfather, 
I knew I wanted to get a gift, but it was in my listening that I learned, okay, I want something that is not too heavy. I want something that is, you know, it's a little bit swaggy. He kind of likes this, you know, he likes these colors. He likes this type of wood. So in different conversations, he told me what to build. And so your audience, whomever that may be, they will tell you what to build. So you have to ask and ask and ask. Um, and have several conversations sometimes, but ultimately your customers will tell you exactly what they want or what they don't want. Um, and that is your best map of how you can create a product or thing. So you launched your company, you've got these products that are inspired by black men that celebrate black men. And so in many ways, using real black men to promote them seems like a no brainer, but what made you want to pursue ambassador marketing? So brand ambassadors is ultimately the way to go for any potential e-commerce product-based business, especially right now. Um, A lot of times what we're seeing um, is some of the older way of marketing or getting your product down. It was just as simple as you selling it. You set up a site, You know, you may run ads, you may do X, Y, Z, but a lot of times people want to see themselves in the product. So a lot of times I search for brand ambassadors who align with our brand, and these may be different types of men. It might be a man who is striving to be a better husband. It may be a new father. It may be somebody who's a little bit more senior, um, you know, and where he is in his manhood. It may be Uh, a man who just got a new job. But ultimately, I am able to select brand brand ambassadors ultimately based off of like where they are and their lifestyle. Because when we put watches and products on them, the man that is going to buy or the woman that's going to buy even for that man, she sees her son, her husband, um, whomever in this brand ambassador in his lifestyle photos. So you want a lot of that to transfer. You want to be sure that you identify people who are closely aligned to your brand. They kind of, they, they're ultimately a potential customer at that, right? So it wouldn't be too far fetched for any of these ambassadors to also be customers of us. You want to think of your ambassadors the same way. So a lot of times I just take that criteria into play, like, okay, this type of man does this or this type of man does that let's find a a brand ambassador um who who fits that criteria and then reach out to them because ultimately you know nine times out of ten our values align and what they like and what we like is in alignment and it ultimately works or at least that's been our secret to success with brand ambassadors what kind of research did you do into ambassador marketing either when you were you know first making that decision Or once you had decided to go that route, you know, to figure out how to set up an ambassador program. So we have a full brand ambassador program. I I like to call myself the SOP queen um, because I have a full like nine or 10 page SOP. And what that is, is a standard operating procedure, which means it's like you do this, you do that, you do that, you do that, you do that. And so um, ultimately for us, the way you have to start, even when it comes to creating your product, is you have to start by doing And so before I had all of the processes that I have now, I ultimately had to manually search myself, meaning what am I looking for? How am I doing this? Are we going on Instagram? Um, Is it any apps out there? How can I make this process, you know, more automated and more streamlined and put together? And so the way that we do our prospecting for ambassadors today is there is a Shopify tool that goes by the name of Dovetail. 
And so what it does is it connects you to a multitude of social sites. So there may be Instagram, there may be YouTube, it may be uh, TikTok. And what it does is you give it that same criteria. So you have to know what you're looking for. And so for us, we're looking for black men, you know, typically between the ages of like 25 to 35. Um, so you might use hashtags, right? Like black men's fashion, black men can or uh, black men can, black, men, black men's fashion, things like that. And so ultimately it's going to give you men who fall into that criteria that you give it. So this allows us to really filter our list of potential ambassadors that we want to reach out to. Um, what we then do is kind of compare what they're showing on the analytics side to what we see in real life. So in that app that I mentioned, it'll tell you um, this person's engagement. It will let you know their number of followers. It'll let you know how often they post. So it kind of gives you some insights to say, oh, this person doesn't post often or, oh, they're not as engaged. But it really allows you to make a more strategic um, decision when it comes to reaching out. And so from there, we'll compare to say, okay, well, when we went on their site, does their content then align with ours? Meaning we got the back end analytics, but if we go on your page and it doesn't align with the brand, then obviously, you know, you won't be the best prospect. But what we do is match up and see who fits that criteria and where it may be a potential match. Um, and so from there, what we'll do is we'll engage over a certain period of time with this individual. So now that they have the brand on their radar, you know, they potentially follow us back or they'll send us a message sometimes before we do. And so we'll start that conversation of what it looks like to be a brand ambassador for a few women. So I would imagine it's really important to like lay that all out in a contract. Definitely important to really lay out what the expectations are in your brand ambassador contract. So in our brand ambassador contract, we out we outline everything from captions, attire, um, how often uh, this brand ambassador should post, the type of content they should post, meaning is it reels? Is it, you know, static photos? What is it that they should be posting? Um, the days of the week, you know, we really try to spell it out in very clear terms what the expectation is for them being a brand ambassador. Um, so we, we also spell out in terms of compensation, meaning if they do, um, well, I'll take it back. We have two types of brand ambassadors that we like to assist in terms of compensation and your model can kind of vary. Um, but the types that are paid is either um, paid based off of the number of reels or um, digital content that they're able to supply to us. Or we also have brand ambassadors who fall under uh, the category of affiliates of the brand. And so typically what they do is they get a percentage of commission based off of their sales, meaning they get an affiliate code, they're able to use it like on their YouTube page, or they're able to use it on their personal pages. And of course, if customers use their code, they are able to receive a percentage. So that is also a piece that we outline um, in our contracts as well. Now that you've been doing this for a while, what would you say the impact has been on the business of um, having these brand ambassadors? So I would say the impact allows our brand to be a lot more um, relatable, I would say, um, because one, we have different types of brand ambassadors who provide different types of avatars for the brand. So it's different type of men who can now see themselves and our products due to those brand ambassadors. Um, it also allows us to 
really be shown in front of different audiences. So it allows us to expand our reach as a brand. Um, so I would say it's a mutual you know, benefit for anybody who's interested in going in that route, um, as well as it also helps with content, right? So uh, that's another plus and mutual benefit because for the brand ambassador, they're able to say, hey, I'm a brand ambassador for this uh, major company. And then for us, we're able to reuse, recycle, um, and turn some of their material into evergreen material, meaning we can use it even outside of a one-time campaign. One of the potential upsides of having brand ambassadors, aside from the exposure, is that they can provide really useful feedback, um, whether it's on the product or the customer experience. You talked earlier about the importance of listening. Um, have you found it to be the case that your brand ambassadors have been helpful um, in the things that you need to listen to? Yes. So by the majority of our brand ambassadors being men, and like I had mentioned before, they are typically potential customers. They usually can give us feedback on watches as well. So a lot of times they may say, oh, I love the Montez. But if we had this on the class, you know, then they, that would really take it to the next level. Or if we could just change this, it would really do this for me. And so that type of feedback allows us to enhance uh, the products that we have because it's ultimately user feedback that we're getting. So it really allows us to think outside of the box and how we can effectively serve our customer uh, customer base because of those brand ambassadors. So they are vital help with like product features, um, sometimes even in terms of features that they don't like, right? So sometimes they might say, well, I really like this, but you know, I don't like the clasp on it. It's too weak. Or I like this one, but it's not heavy enough. So that's also feedback that we take into the account to say, okay, it may not necessarily be a, a product enhancement. It might be a product adjustment or something we can look into for quality control. So it's a lot of positive feedback um, that is useful for our brand that we receive from those ambassadors. For other small businesses out there who are considering this strategy, what's your best advice for working with brand ambassadors? My best advice would be to utilize brand ambassadors who fall into the um, micro ambassador or micro influencer hashtag or not necessarily hashtag, I guess, category. And so what that means or what that looks like is if you are a micro influencer, you might have, you know, anywhere from a few thousand followers to less than a hundred thousand followers um, versus somebody who may be a macro influencers with a million followers. Um, the reason why I would say or recommend other brands go brands go that route is because ultimately those individuals who fall into that micro influencer category have a lot more engagement with their audience, meaning their audience trusts them meaning they will trust their recommendation to wear or purchase from that brand. Um, and they also tend to have more visible and active followings. And so what that means is you can get a lot more reach from somebody who has 10,000 followers versus somebody who has a million. Um, so ultimately, I would definitely recommend going with those who fall into like that micro uh, influencer category as a brand ambassador um, I think sometimes they can be overlooked because we're trying to get the person who has five or 10 million or however many followers. And although it may, you know, appeal better, it's not necessarily better on the back end um, in terms of making conversions or sales, which is what you want. 
So I know we've been talking all about brand ambassadors, but ambassador marketing is of course only one tool in a marketing toolbox. Um, what else have you experimented with since you launched your brand and what has worked well for you? Um, so for us, we do a lot of our sales um, or at least our marketing rather comes from digital ads. So we do Facebook ads, we do um, Instagram ads, we do Google ads as well. Um, we are also beginning to experiment with um, creating Facebook community for our brand. And so um, what that looks like is creating a Facebook group of our raving fans, people who adore the brand, they rock with the brand, they've been VIP customers, you know, we can drop something today and they're going to be in line to get it. So really creating um, community is like our next focus of what we're experimenting with in terms of our marketing. Um, we also do email marketing. So email marketing is a huge and less expensive route in terms of gaining um, sales, being in touch with your audience and really bringing awareness to whatever it is that you have going on. Um, so we do a lot of heavy email marketing. Uh, we're starting to explore TikTok. We haven't really mastered it just yet. Um, and the reason for that, it does go back to the brand ambassador conversation because we're looking to see who would be the face or is their faces in terms of what we do on TikTok. So that is where we're really looking to go next. And then what we also want to do is explore more marketing in terms of like YouTube ads. So YouTube has ads as well. It's not always one of the first things that's brought up into the conversation, but I have been able to do some research and what I've seen is it does provide a lot of engagement or at least uh, attraction to your audience. Um, so we're also looking to explore that route. So that's just something we may start experimenting with, but the ones previously mentioned are the ones that we've dabbled in um, and can stand by for sure. Thank you so much, Shayla, for sharing your small business success story. Everyone out there, please take a look at the company website, afewwoodmen.com. You can also follow them on Facebook and Pinterest at A Few Wood Men and on Instagram at A Few Wood Men underscore. Check out the podcast channel on blackenterprise.com to find Sisters Inc. and more podcasts from Black Enterprise experts, editors, and writers. Be sure to subscribe to Sisters Inc. on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube. And if you like what you hear, show us some love by leaving a five-star review or put a sister on by spreading the word. This is Elisa Gums with Sisters Inc. for Black Enterprise. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.